All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn in your New Testament to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. While you're turning there, first of all, let me say, Brother Aaron, I appreciate uh, what you did this morning. That was good. I uh, learned some things about uh, Fanny Crosby. I did not know. Was she, uh, Aaron, was she uh, primarily a New York resident? Did she spend much of her life here in New York, or did she move it later? Well, they said, the, the thing said 23 years at that college, so I don't know if later in life she moved or not. But. Okay. But she spent a lot of time in New York. Yeah, amen. She's a New Yorker. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, uh, pardon the work that is uh, going on with our baptistry. That's why there's a certain air about this place this morning. Uh, it's Trust me, it's not as bad as it, as it has been yesterday. In the morning, it was absolutely terrible, but uh, we're having the baptistry, uh, having some work done on it. We're having it patched and, and uh, shored up and uh, painted and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so because of that, we have to put up with some of the, some of the odors. Hopefully, uh, those will dissipate soon. And then we've, the Lord just this last week gave us a brand new piano, and uh, so... Uh, be patient with our piano players. I, th I thought, I thought uh, Jennifer did a fantastic job this morning. But uh, be patient with them. They're learning a new machine, and it's a digital piano. And so, uh, but it's, it's good to see. It's good to see how the Lord provides. Amen? The Lord takes care of us. Romans chapter 8, before we get into the text, I want to just give you a little bit of a background contextually uh, both chapter 7 and chapter 8. The name of this message this morning is Great Conflicts with Great Expectations. Great Conflicts with Great Expectations. In, in Romans 7, in verses 15 through 25, and we're not going to read all of it, but uh, I am going to read a, a short portion of it before we stand for our, our text this morning. But the Apostle Paul is talking about just how frustrating it is sometimes to live the Christian life. And I think all of us that have been saved for any amount of time, even if you've only been saved for a very short period of time, you understand this frustration. He says in verse 15, For that which I do I allow not, for that uh, I would, that do I not, but what I hate that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent uh, unto the law that it is good, now, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Uh, you, you, you read through particularly verses 15, 16, 17. It sounds a little bit like double talk. It's not. It's a conflict. Uh, you know, you have once a person trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, they realize they're a sinner on their way to hell, and the only way they can go to heaven and get their sins forgiven is by coming to Christ and trusting him without any works. No works of ours, but only what he has done for us. And trust him as Savior and cry out for mercy and ask him to forgive us of all of our sins and give us eternal life. When that happens, we no longer just have one nature now. We have two natures. We have a, a natural nature, a sinful nature. We also have a, a, uh, a nature that, that is uh, spiritual. 
and we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us to give us strength and to give us help. Well, he's, what he's describing down there is some of his desires want him to go one way and some of his desires want him to go the other way. And sometimes when he tries to do right, he feels like he fails. I think we've all been there. And all God's people said, you know, I think we have. I think we've all been there at one time or another. And uh, so he's, he's talking about frustration. Then, then you get to chapter 8 and he begins to tell the difference between walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh, walking after the spirit and walking after the flesh. Uh, if we walk after the spirit, we follow the spirit of God. If we walk after the flesh, we walk after our own desires. And so he starts in chapter 7, he talks about frustration. Then in chapter 8, he says, we basically, we have some choices. And then he goes on from there, and we're going to pick up at verse 18 of uh, chapter 8. Let's all stand together. If your neighbor does not have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you so we can look, be looking at Scripture together. But in verses 18, we're going to read down through verse 27. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth, and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, so desperately we need you. I was reading an article this week about we need you every hour, we need you every, every minute, we need you every moment. Uh, Lord, the, the, the truth of the matter is we just flat need you. Without you, we can do nothing. And there is a, a conflict in, in our lives just because we're sinners saved by grace. And we have two natures in us that constantly are battling each other. Uh, Lord, uh, it seems like sometimes when we try to do right, we can't even do right rightly. But Father, uh, you give us great encouragement in your word. And though there is great conflict in the Christian life, there is also great expectations. And Father, I pray that you might uh, help us to see uh, things clearly through your word this morning. 
And help us, Lord, to be encouraged. Help us to be determined. Help us, Father, to uh, decide uh, this morning to keep on keeping on for Jesus Christ because you are worth it all. We pray, Father, that you would guide and direct and speak to our hearts this morning through your word, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to look at three things uh, from verse, uh, verse 17 or excuse me, verse 18 in chapter 8 down through the end of the chapter. Uh, and, and the first thing we're going to look at is the groanings. Uh, what, what God talks about, about groanings. It says all creation is, is groaning because it's waiting for redemption. Uh, the animals are groaning. The earth is groaning. Uh, as we get older, we start groaning, okay? And... Uh, uh, everything is on a deterioration scale. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. And we groan because we look forward to what God will give to us someday, which is a new body, a body that will not have sickness, a body that won't wear glasses. We're going to throw these things in the trash when, when the rapture takes place or after death. Uh, you, you won't need glasses. You won't need... John, Jonathan just got a new brace this week. He's not going to need a brace. In fact, for the first time, he's going to be able to walk without any help at all. Um, you know, that's, that's something to encourage us. But in the meantime, we groan. Why? Well, because it's difficult. It says that not only do we groan, but it says also the whole creation groans. In other words, uh, we don't have a perfect situation right now, and we don't. We have, we have conflicts, we have struggles, we have difficulties that we go through. But when we groan, the thing that's a, a blessing that, that God continually reminds us of is that we never groan alone. Uh, we're not, we're not, we're not uh, single in our groaning. We not only groan with others, but God groans with us. If you look with me in verses 26 and uh, 27, down in verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what, what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He says, though, though we groan, we don't groan alone. And when we're troubled, oftentimes, and I, I found this, I, I found myself doing this last night in men's prayer meeting. I, I, found, I found myself doing it throughout the week in prayer. Uh, there, are, there are times when I'm praying for an individual or I'm praying for a situation, or I'm praying for something even in my own life, and honestly, I come up blank. I, I just, I really don't know what to pray for. I know there's, there's a, a situation. I know there's, there's a, a need, but I don't, sometimes you just don't know how to pray. Am I, am I alone in that, or have the rest of you have found that from time to time? All right, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes we just don't know how to pray. What a blessing to know that the Spirit of God makes intercessions for us 
with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, we can't even, we don't even know what to say. We don't even know how to pray. But God says, listen, I know, I know what your needs are. I know how to take care of them. I have found myself more and more lately just saying, Lord, I don't know everything that's behind a particular situation, but you do. You know it all. And you can take care of that. And you can minister to folks in ways that I don't even know how to minister. Uh, what a blessing it is and what an encouragement it is to know that when we groan, we don't groan alone because the Spirit of God makes intercessions for us. And, when, and, and our, our groanings are not futile ones, but they're groanings of hope and they're groanings of expectation. There's going to be a, a, a day coming one day when you're not going to groan anymore at all. Uh, so you can put up with what, what little we have to put up with here uh, because we know what's coming down the line. Now, not only is there groanings, but there's also a goal. And in verses 28 down through 30, God gives us the goal, what it is that he's trying to accomplish in our lives. We have, we have, we have struggles and we have conflicts. And the things that we, we know that we should do, we don't do. The things that we don't do, we do. Uh, and we struggle with that. Then God comes along and says, listen, I've given you my Holy Spirit. You've got a choice. You can, you can either follow after the Spirit or you can follow after the flesh. We didn't have that choice before we got saved. Before we got saved, we only had one choice, and that was following the flesh. And then he, he goes on to say that uh, there, there are groanings, and there are groanings because of the conflict because of conflict in our lives and things that, that are going on, uh, there, there are, there's a reason to groan. But you don't groan alone because God put his Holy Spirit within you and you have that Spirit of God that can make intercessions for you and help you along the way. Now, what's all this process for? What, what's, what's the purpose? What's the goal? Is God just putting us through the grinder or is he putting us through some conflicts so that something can be accomplished? Well, there is a goal, verses 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now notice what, what God does not say. God did not say in, in verse 28, we know that all things are good. All things are not good. There are, some, there are some bad things that God allows to come into our lives. But even those bad things, even those things that seem to be sometimes destructive, God knows how to take those things and work them together for good. One of the things that God is an expert at is taking a pile of ashes and turning them into something beautiful. 
uh, taking something that is absolute junk in our lives and turning it into something that is polished and beautiful for him. Uh, he knows how to do that. And it, Take your Bibles and, and turn with me to, keep your finger here, but go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul is uh, is describing he's describing the the, the, the the difficulties and the sufferings that uh, even he had gone through in his own ministry. And in Second uh, Corinthians four, look in verse uh, thirteen with me. It says, "We having the same spirit of faith." According as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things that are seen, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal." And what he says in verse 15, he says, all things are for your sake. In other words, the, the, the work that's being done uh, and the, the negative stuff that Paul had to encounter, he said, listen, this is for your sake. So you can see how God can strengthen. You can see how God can enable. You can see how God can get a person through those things. And he also speaks about the fact that the work is not an outward work, but it's an inward work. It's a work that's being done on the inside. And when the, when the uh, affliction comes, uh, what God is doing is he's putting us on the potter's wheel. I, I, every time I read this, this passage, I'm all, I always marvel at verse 17. Look at verse 17. It says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment... Do you realize who's saying that? That's the Apostle Paul. That's the guy who uh, got 39 stripes for preaching. Uh, that's the guy that was shipwrecked. That was the guy that uh, was, was uh, uh, taken outside of Lystra and stoned and left for dead. Uh, that's, that's the guy who uh, had, had people desert him right and left, do him dirty, one after another. He says of uh, the Corinthians, the more I love you, the less I be loved. Uh, and yet, what does he call all of that? He calls that light affliction. <laughs> Listen, can I, can I ask you something? If that's light affliction, what is it that you and I go through? <laughs> I mean, I've got nothing compared. I, I've been through nothing compared to what the Apostle Paul has been through. And yet, his perspective on the thing was, it's light affliction. Why is that? Because he's always looking at the eternal. And he's always looking ahead at what God has planned for him. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's a, 
what, one of the things that affliction is, is an encouragement that God's not done with us yet, that God's still got us on the potter's wheel, that God's still working with us, that he's still trying to accomplish something in us and with us and through us. And of course, the, the whole goal of us having those conflicts in our lives is to conform us to Jesus Christ. You know, I, I wish there was an easier way to do it, but there, but there isn't. We have to go through difficulty. We have to go through conflicts. Sometimes the conflicts are outward. Sometimes the conflicts are inward. Sometimes they're both. But, but regardless, that conflict is for a reason. It's so Jesus Christ can be made manifest in our mortal bodies and so that, so that we can be a testimony to others. Um, that's, you know, when you, you go through difficulty, you go through trouble, you get, you get sick, uh, and you, you have to, we have one family that hasn't been around for almost two months, uh, and simply because of sickness. Uh, I was reading an email today that uh, felt, you know, like every time they go around the corner, there's something new that hits them. Uh, sometimes we have to go through those things. Uh, we, uh, you go out to start your car tomorrow morning to go to work and it doesn't start. Uh, you get family problems. Uh, you have things in the home that break down. Uh, you get financial difficulties. And that's easy to do with inflation being what it is today. Um, you know, some, sometimes it's just a struggle just to go to the grocery store. Uh, you have job difficulties. You have problems at school. You have conflicts with friends. Well, you know, what's, what's the purpose of all that? Well, the purpose of all of that is not to get those problems resolved, although we want to see those problems resolved. There's no doubt about it. When trouble comes into our life, we look for a solution. Uh, but what does God want to see happen through that whole thing? He wants to see us conform to Jesus Christ. He wants to see our, our virtue enhanced. He wants to see our character uh, made more Christ-like. He wants to see us trust in him. He wants to see us depend upon him and rely upon him. The goal is conformity to Christ. And knowing the what of the situation is more important than knowing the why. I, I realize, you know, you go, through, you go through conflict, you go through struggles, you go through difficulties, and the, one of the first things oftentimes that comes into your mind, it comes into mind, why is this happening? But we really need to get beyond the why and go to the what, because you might not ever know all the answers for the whys. But you can know what. You can know what God is doing in your life. You can know what it is that God's trying to accomplish in your life. And, 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 and so it's not so much uh, why is God allowing this, but what is God desiring to accomplish in me by this happening in my life? And then the, the, the last the last thing that he speaks of is found down in verses 31 through 39. He talks about, he talks about, about uh, the, the, uh, the groanings. He talks about the goal, which is uh, conformity to Christ. But then there's a guarantee. And he says, you know, all the time you're going through all of that stuff, he says, understand 
that something is always true, never changes, never varies, one iota. Start with me, if you would, in, in verse uh, 31 down through the end of the chapter. Verse 31 says, what shall we say then to these things? In other words, with these conflicts and with these groanings and with all this, this stuff that's going on in our lives, uh, the, the, uh, the, the constant battle that we seem to have to go through, even sometimes with ourselves, what, what do we say to all those things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Uh, one person put it uh, so succinctly, God and me makes a majority. Well, that's true. Uh, verse 32, he that, that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's the guarantee? You're going to be loved of God no matter what happens. God loves you, period. Nothing that you do, no conflict that you have, no stumbling that you do, no falling that you do is going to stop God from loving you. And when you lose sight of the fact that God loves you, you're in trouble. You forget how much he cares for you. You forget how much he loves you. I'm reading through, uh, in fact, just finished. I'm reading through this week the Gospel of John in my devotions. And um, one of the things that I saw, as I see every time I read through the Gospel of John, is that John is, refers to himself often. But you don't know, he, he doesn't use his name. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. When I first started reading through the Bible and I came across that phrase, I thought, well, who does he think he is? <laughs> you know, uh, boy, that sounds almost, you know, like, like it's self-exalting. Well, this is the disciple that Jesus loves. But as, as, I, as I got more and more familiar with the Gospel of John and then 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, and then also the book of Revelation, you realize something. Uh, he wasn't saying that braggadociously. He was saying that from his perspective, knowing that God loved him and he was assured of that no matter what happened. And that was the thing that kept him going, was the fact that he knew without a shadow of a doubt that God loved him. 
And that's, that, that's something that we need, we need to never forget that no matter what you go through and no matter what might come into your life, no matter what struggles you have, no matter what kind of conflicts you have either without or within, God loves us. And God proved that love. Look down in verse 32. Verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's saying, listen, if, if, if he's willing to give his only son, you know, basically the best he had, if he's willing to give the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's willing to give us his son, then how much more will he very easily and freely give us all things? In other words, He's going to get you through it. Why? Because he loves you. And he proved that he loved you because he, he gave the Lord Jesus Christ for us. And notice what it says also in verse 31. I love verse 31. It says, what shall we say, then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Have you ever had a feeling that everybody was out to get you? Did you ever have a feeling that, uh, you know, uh, like every time you go around a corner, you're going to get hit with a two-by-four, um, that, that, that life is just, just hard? You know, I mean, I've heard people say that. Boy, life isn't fair. No kidding. Uh, life is hard. Yep, it is. It is. But you know what? If God be for you, who can be against you? And if you're saved, can I tell you something? If you know Christ as Savior, if you're absolutely positive that if you were to die today that you go to heaven because you've gotten forgiveness of sins from Jesus Christ, he is for you. Wow. I mean, I don't know about you, but that, that just absolutely explodes my mind that God is for me. He, and the one who is for me knows everything about me. There's no secrets. You know, you can keep secrets from your husband. You can keep secrets from your wife. You can see, keep secrets from your, your kids. You can, kids, you can keep secrets from your, your parents. You can't keep anything from God. He knows it all. And yet, though he knows it all, he loves you more than any human being ever could or ever would. That's love. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's love. And he is... He is absolutely for us. Look down in verse uh, uh, 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Um, you know, God just simply says, are, are you going through troubles? Have you got conflicts? Are they outward conflicts or maybe they're even inward conflicts? Are you endangered? You know, are you worried? Uh, are you persecuted? Uh, do you need food? Do you need clothing? Are some of your basic needs not being taken care of? Uh, are, are you about to suffer loss? Do you see uh, um, a conflict coming and you're fearful of it? Uh, is, is your life threatened? Uh, are Satan's messengers hounding you? Uh, are, are circumstances 
about to devour you. Are you, are you living in a pressure cooker? If any of those things are true, and you can add whatever you'd like to, to to the list, there's one thing you can be absolutely assured of, is that God loves you. And he wants to get you through it. And he will get you through it. And he'll take you through. That yes, there are groanings. Yes, there are conflicts. Yes, there are difficulties. But there's a goal. And the goal is to make us more like Jesus Christ. And that's the purpose of this stuff. The purpose of, of any of the struggles that we go through is, is not to defeat us, not to, not to take us and, and crush us and see if he can make a big ink spot on the earth with us through the troubles. That's not the purpose at all. The purpose is to conform us to Christ and make us more like him. And through that whole process, he makes sure that no matter what happens, we need to understand that God loves us. Again, like I said, if you lose sight of that at any juncture, you're in danger. You've got trouble. That's why he brings this up right at the end of the chapter. He says, listen, no matter what you go through, just remember one thing. You can't stop God's love. There's nothing that someone else can do that can alter his love to us. There's nothing that we can do that can alter his love to us. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 73. I found this this morning when I was reading my Bible, my devotions. I thought this would be a good closing verse for this message. Psalm 73 and this is, a, this is a verse that, in fact, we, years ago we had a group come through here by the name of Encounter, Encounter Revival Ministries. And they sang a song uh, that was entitled, God the Lord is the Strength of My Heart. It was based on this verse in Psalms. And I didn't find the verse until I heard the song. And I heard the song and I heard that it was based on a verse. So I looked for the verse and found the verse. This is what we need to continually remember is verse, verse 26. It says, my flesh and my heart faileth. And all God's people said, <laughs> amen, amen, and amen. Yes, it does. It fails. And I failed God over and over and over again. But remember this. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It's not your strength. It's not your love that's going to see you through. It's God's. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon what we've heard this morning. May your people be encouraged, but may they also realize that there's no discharge in this war. Life is full of conflicts. Is life hard? Yes. Is life fair? No. But God, does God love me? Yes. Uh, is he trying to conform me to Jesus Christ? Yes. And even though there are conflicts, and even though there are struggles, and even though there are distractions everywhere we turn sometimes, God the Lord is the strength of our, of our heart, and we, we can have great expectations 
about what you want to accomplish in and through our lives. God, we've got to remember that you love us. And may that continually motivate us to want to honor you, to want to serve you, to, to, to fight through the struggles, not give up. And Lord, when we, when we fall, a just man falls seven times and riseth up again. May we continue to rise because we know that if God be for us, who can be against us? And nothing, absolutely nothing, can stop you, our God, from loving us. God, please work in our hearts this morning. Lord, be an, be an encouragement, but where there's a conviction of sin, where there is a, a tendency to want to throw up our hands and quit, Father, may we just make a determination today that we're going to keep on keeping on because you are for us, you love us, and nothing can separate us from that love. Bless this invitation. May you have your will and your way in our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand quietly with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as the organ plays songs.